Welcome to Vision again. I'm Rob Holly, and I'm hosting another one of those podcasts about the Eurovision Song Contest. There are so many of them now, aren't there? Uh, this podcast is about me interviewing Eurovision people and specifically those acts that would have gone to Rotterdam 2020. If you're listening to this as it's been published, you'll know that today is the day that would have been semi-final one at Eurovision 2020. Eep. But I'm not going to let my disappointment deter me, so here for you is my interview with Ireland's act, Leslie Roy, and her song, Story of My Life. Wow, it's been a while since Ireland sent a banger, and a banger indeed that is. Leslie is now self-isolating in New York with her wife, and I caught up with her via Skype in early May. Leslie's already had some musical success. She's worked with Max Martin, and her debut album from 2008, Unbeautiful, is a real treat. I'm going to put a link to it in the podcast description. Do go listen to it. I had such a fun time reminiscing about that, that era of music, but also it's just a cracking album. You'll really, really not regret listening to it. This is a really fun interview. We chatted about the fact that Leslie watches Melfest, the Netflix conspiracy, which is going to haunt me until I die, I imagine, uh, her time with Max Martin, oven chips, and her mission to send the perfect banger to 2021. Let's get to it. <music> My all-girls school uh, really came through for that one for me. I was like, well, look, I'm not going to get to go to one of the most uh, luxurious and fantastically aesthetic stages of all time. So I can throw up uh, a children's tablecloth and some pink lights on my wall and take it from there. So I just wanted to do something um, a little bit fun, um, a little bit light other than, um, you know, a typical trying to do such a big song from your apartment. So, um, yeah, I I think it went down fairly well and it was it was a good laugh. Oh, I thought it was ace. And to be honest, like the staging of that was higher quality than some of the Eurovision staging that I've seen over the years. So, (laughs) oh, no, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We'd have to go back like the 80s to compare compare the the tablecloth that I used for that. <laughs> and so we're talking about Eurovision and this would have been the week now we're recording it um at the beginning of May and you would have been in rehearsals right now yeah. I guess. Yeah. How are you finding that? Um you know I I've been messaging with you know our head of delegation and um our creative directors that were also newly hired this year Philly McMahon and mm. It's nothing but it's upsetting. It's sad. Um, you, you you know you build yourself up to do something for your country and as an artist and a songwriter, and when it's gone and you can see all of the years beforehand and what they would have been doing this time, you know, um, for the sound checks and everything, it's upsetting. It it totally is sad. That's really it. It's it's sad. Oh, and have you had much experience of Eurovision in the past? I know. I guess like. As a Brit, I know it's the same for the Irish. It's sort of so ingrained into our culture in a way that it isn't, you know, like in America or somewhere, that it's hard to know 
you know, where you actually started paying attention to it because it's just always there, I guess, with, you know, whether it's Bucks Fizz or Johnny Logan, it's just part yeah. of who we are. Um, are you a big fan of the contest? Have you been watching it a lot? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's definitely a part of our genetic makeup. Yeah. I don't ever remember it not being on every every May, you know, at home. I remember it on. I remember Neve. I remember I was, you know, really started, I think, clicking into it during the Neve Kavanaugh, uh, you know, rock and roll kids yeah. time period. And then when the river dance happened, I think it like planted a seed somewhere in the back of my mind as I was starting to get into music as a kid that, huh, well, this is so big for our country. Like, look what happens when it's on that there is a potential that I could do that maybe when I'm older. So I think the seed was planted very young. Um, for me, it just all depended on when I was going to do that in the kind of timeline of my career. And then over the past few years, the past couple of years, I'd really started to re just kind of think about what that would look like or what song that would be. But it kind of sped up over the past few years of wanting to send something in just to see where the Irish delegation was at and to see if I was so far removed from what an Irish song would be. I've not always sounded like what a lot of Irish artists sound like. So I think that was something that um, kind of held me back a little bit from ever doing a lot of press in Ireland. I don't have a very typical acoustic-y, singer-songwritery type style. I, I moved very much into a poppier kind of world. So yeah, I've been thinking about it for a long time, I guess. is a long way of answering that question. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a very thorough question, a very thorough answer. Thank you very much. And I was yep. wondering, did RTE approach you or you just said then that you, you were writing things uh, and you sent them in for consideration? How did that yeah. come about? Yeah, I had seen, like, I've, I've seen it every year um, when they send out their, like, little press release for songs. And I guess, when was it? November, December, I decided last year, I'll, I'll send one in this year. So I sent it in, and then we started the conversation and took it from there. And what do you think, as someone who has followed Ireland at the Eurovision quite closely, what do you think, um, and I say this as, as a Brit, like, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I'm not dialing in here from Sweden where they're just absolutely brilliant. What is it that you think has perhaps hindered Ireland over the years in terms of um, not qualifying or not doing as well as perhaps um, you guys would like to do? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think and I'll be obviously very careful. With what oh, I yeah, say. totally. Um, yeah. With all respect to all of the artists that, you know, have the balls, excuse me, to get up there and go on that stage every year. Um, I think, and I've been thinking about this a lot this week, I think what has happened, and I think this happens for England sometimes too, the Eurovision is so specific of what um, can work. And I think sometimes what works on English and Irish radio yeah. very, very successfully and very well doesn't necessarily translate to what would work um, on the Eurovision stage on that night. So I don't think anyone necessarily is doing anything wrong. I think they're just choosing artists and songs that do work great in Ireland and on on our mainstream and with, you know, show after show after show, you get used to those slower songs. But the Eurovision is just you have a couple of seconds yeah. to either kill it with a banger, a ballad or something slightly gimmicky that I, I think our radios just it doesn't it doesn't part it doesn't go into the Eurovision very well in that sense. Yeah. And you opted for a banger, which is great. Yeah. 
Yeah, again, I had thought about it. I'm like, it's either a ballad or a big, massive up-tempo, um, a pop Swedish-sounding up-tempo. And that's the only reason I sent it in. I, I could never and will never do a mid-tempo for the Eurovision. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of those. It's, just, it's, not, it's not the world for a mid-tempo, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. And I think yeah. um, talking about Swedish-influenced bangers um yeah i was listening a lot today on repeat to um your 2008 album unbeautiful um wow it's so in my wheelhouse i love it it's um yeah yeah yeah. it's so so good i would anyone listening to this i would recommend going and listening to it now on spotify um it's just great like um i i've really really enjoyed listening to it I you can hear lots of influences in it from a certain famous Swedish producer called Max Martin. Yeah. How did how did that come about? Like, because that 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 must be an incredible opportunity to work with someone like Max Martin and, and all the stuff that he's done in the past. Yeah, I mean, in a short answer, it was fantastic. Um, the the long answer of how it came about is. I basically worked all through secondary school. Um, I got a small deal when I was about 14 and started writing and producing as much as I possibly possibly could to get a U.S. deal. That was always kind of the vision. And the goal in the back of my mind, even though everyone laughed, was I wanted Max Martin to produce that album. So um, I went and we, we pitched as much songs as we possibly could and I eventually signed with Jive and Sony Records when I, got, when I did my leave insert. And then I went over to Stockholm I met with Max, I met with all the other Swedish crew and, you know, I think he was slightly hesitant as he typically would be for a new artist, you know, he's used to working, he works with whoever he actually wants to work with. So I went in anyway and he gave me a shot on the day and we started writing and he left the room and I thought, oh God, this is a complete disaster. He hates my voice. I'm too rocky. I don't know what's going on. So he was gone for like a half an hour and he came back in. He said, I just got off, off the phone with, with Jive. I'll, I'm going to do the whole album. And I was like, wow. okay, well, you could have given me a heads up before you get started. <laughs> so, I mean, it was fantastic. I, I like to say I got like my PhD in pop songwriting um, and I've taken all of those lessons from him and you know, Desmond Child and Katy Perry and Dr. Luke and everybody that I worked with during that time. And I try and use it in any writing session that I'm in. Yeah. Well, it's great. And I think 12 years later to, um, f- well, f- from a personal point of view, to have rediscovered an album from like 12 years ago that stands up really, really well. Um, it is just full of bops. It's, I, I love it. It's sort of, um, it's very rocky. It's got a bit of that Kelly Clarkson vibe to it, but I'd, I'd say a bit more fun than Kelly Clarkson. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, if you're listening, please go and listen to that. It's really, really good. Um, and you can certainly see the threads between that and uh, Story of My Life as well. It's, um it, it sounds like you, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I think 
Um, I was so exhausted after I'm Beautiful that maybe that's why it's taken me so long <laughs> to do anything else. So, yeah, Story of My Life is definitely a, a springboard sonically off of that. I think moving forward, um, when writing and now pitching a new song for next year for the Eurovision, it will not sound like that. I can tell the fans that now that it will be a straight up, much more modern sounding pop song. Wow. Okay. Well, before we go on to your more modern sounding pop song for 2021, um, tell me a little bit about how Story of My Life came about and what it means to you. Yeah. Um, so Story of My Life, uh, it started with just that, with the title. I was working down in Nashville a couple of years ago and we had the title um, for a while before we started the track. I think there was a lot of debate around whether or not it was going to be more of a ballad in a kind of, not moany, but more of a sadder depiction of somebody's life of going through ups and downs until we actually started the track and the music and it became more of a celebration of how to dust yourself off and kind of start again and begin again, kind of get up and tell your story and not put yourself into a box. So um, once we got it into a more of a celebratory up-tempo song, it took a few months to get that course exactly where I wanted it. And in, in the sense of Max, where you edit and edit and edit yeah. until there's a hook after hook after hook. So it took a while, but eventually got there. And I really love the video that you did for it. Um, you were working with uh, This Is Pop Baby, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Who, for those people who might not know, I think um, I think the best way to describe them is sort of like a queer theatrical pop culture company. Is there any, there's no easy way of describing what they do. They're so... Nope brilliant Fantastic. and amazing That's a great description yeah how did that come about um i think they had been talking to um i'll try and speak for them as best as i can i think yeah. philly mcmahon had been talking to michael keely our head of delegation for the past four or five years and rte wanted to do something with them um and kind of bring that kind of what you just said their avant-garde their dublin underground scene that they've been blowing up with to the Eurovision and to Ireland. But I think, and again, I'll quote Philly, the songs weren't there for him yeah. to attach his vision to it. And when he heard Story of My Life and I met up with them um, in, in Brooklyn, actually, I met up with them before we announced anything. I think it all just it all just clicked and connected and we were on the same page of what we really wanted to do for Ireland and just kind of took off from there. Incredible. And can you reveal what the stage show would have been like? If, you know, my home concert, basically that. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so two strobe lights and a bit of sticky tape. <laughs> yeah, it uh, cost about 150 uh, euros. That was it. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. No, I won't, I won't reveal anything because I think we're all in the hopes that this new song can happen and we can maybe take... I don't know, some of it over to, to next year. So I, I, I won't sell too much away. Uh, yeah, so Eurovision 2021 is definitely on the cards as far as you're concerned. You'd like to do it, right? Yes, 100%. I will do my best to get there, yeah. And so how would that work in terms of what RTE want? Have there been conversations already or would you have to go through the process of applying again? Um, well, I think, again, to quote Michael Keeley, um, it's only national justice that I come back and represent Ireland. 
but we all agree that that will only come down to it being a smash of a song yeah. um, if not better now than story of my life because we have elevated a little bit in the press so um it will just come down to that i will get into the studio as soon as all the travel bands are lifted and i'll start working on what that song would be as far as if they're dictating what it sounds like definitely not um but they are excited just to hear what i can kind of come up with wow that's incredible and it must be see this is the thing that i find uh really fascinating is um of all the people that are being given golden tickets or hinted at that they might go again whether or not um having 12 months now to write a massive banger or just the the eurovision winning song does that apply more pressure or are you like you know what that's my day job i can write something i can do this i've got time to do this and i can just make the most brilliant song possible now that i've got time to do it because i'm imagining you wouldn't have had um that much time compared to last year when you would have got picked and then had to start rehearsing and thinking about the stage show you're exactly right rob i i'm seeing like all of the positives from this time period um especially this one in particular i've listened to as much as i possibly could from people like yourself of what they liked about story in my life and what necessarily did not go down well um, and where it did falter or where like some live shows for me what were a disaster so i am like picking up all of the lessons from the song and now i can implement that into a new and a new piece as much as i can i think the 10 years of top lining for other artists and having a record label's pitch list of what they need is basically what i'm getting right now yeah. so i'm getting they're giving me like such a leg up with what i need to do so as upsetting as it is it's actually fantastic having had um that information to go off of and I don't even like I am completely musically incompetent I just love music but if you ask me how to write a song I wouldn't know where to begin how do you begin to start writing a banger what are the components you need um sorry I mean I just think to start writing a song um you need a flicker of some kind of inspiration so a title um sometimes it can just be the melody Mm -hmm. um, which is what I like to start with a lot is just the melody and let the melody dictate the lyrics. And then sometimes, especially in the pop world, a track will just dictate what you have to do on the day. So I am uh, hoping to get it, actually go to Stockholm and start working with uh, some of the Swedes. And I think all of those, all of those worlds kind of just happen when I'm there. You start with a melody, a track, a title, and you just kind of roll it all in together and see what happens. And what would constitute success for you? Um, as far as the Eurovision goes? Yeah. Um, I think success will be, you know, nailing this next song and um, having the team ready and fully behind it. Um, and then just continuing to elevate where Ireland stands in the Eurovision. I, people talk a lot these days about winning the Eurovision and that's great. It's fantastic. I love, everyone should have that goal, but I would love to just get Ireland back really in the playing field in that top five, 10, 10-ish. I think that would be fantastic. I think that's where we should go for the next few years before we talk about winning. I think you're totally right about that. And I think the it's so strange, isn't it? Because I think, uh, again, like growing up with the competition, I can definitely see how it's changed from the 90s and the early noughties to what it yeah. is now. And definitely the fandom that follows it is i mean i don't know what the press is like in in ireland um but over in the uk there's a 
it, it certainly jars a little bit in that you have yep. journalists and publications that talk about Eurovision as it actually is, which is this amazing pop competition. You will yep. walk away with at least 10, if not 15 songs that you absolutely love that could yep. stand up in the pop charts. Um, and the fans are really respectful and positive. And then you've still got that... Um, that weird subsection of the press who, I guess because Eurovision is a bit like your Christmas decorations and you only take them yeah. out once a year, they sort of rely on that weird misremembered nostalgia. And so it's very yeah. difficult for, um, you know, th that to sit alongside what the Eurovision actually is. So to be talking about, you know, just going there, delivering a performance and being within that that top 10, I think that's a, a pretty a pretty great goal to have, actually. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. And I completely agree with you about the division within the press. And I, there's a huge division within the music industry, too. Yeah, yeah, totally. There's a lot of my friends um, who were, you know, not, not upset or angry or anything like that. But, you know, do you want to do something like the Eurovision? Is that something that you want to attach to your career? And I just... I don't see it that way. I see it as just such a huge platform for songs and artists if you take it that way. Obviously, you can go there and make a complete show of yourself and do something ridiculous. I, 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 I understand that, but I, I don't see it that way. And I, I, I hope England and Ireland, I, th I think we both could elevate our presence in the Eurovision a lot, a lot more than we have in the past five, ten years. Yeah, I definitely thought that we were both going in the right direction this year. Yes. Um, so it's even more gutting that we're not going to be able to see you guys on stage. But totally. 2021, it will happen. Yeah, oh, I, I can see it. I'm vision, I'm Conor McGregor this into, into will, into existence. <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to ask you about is the LGBTQ plus community that are sort of yeah. ubiquitous with Eurovision. Why do you think it is that Eurovision appeals to the queer community on such a massive scale? I think it's just Eurovision is open arms. It always has been. It's it was created, you know, post war to bring everybody together. So it's not shocking that um, you know minority groups love the the Eurovision community so much. Um, aside from their being fantastically up tempo pop songs to <laughs> sing and dance around to, I think it's the inclusiveness of it. Yeah, and who would you say your favorite uh, Eurovision artists are, and your favorite Eurovision songs? Oh God, it's every day. I'm like keep trying to <laughs> I keep trying to switch up my answer so I can get that many different um, artists into it. I think um, the obvious for me, the, a lot of the Irish winners, the Neil Cavanagh in your eyes, and okay. rock and roll kids. But again, having spent so so long, so much time in Sweden, I can't help fall into the euphoria and oh. the. You know, the heroes of it all, um, you know, that I think one of the songs that were up, killed me this year was Bulletproof. Yes. And uh, Bulletproof. Um, I'm going to try and do a little acoustic version once we get off the phone of that song because it's just fantastic. Oh, the Dota song. That that was, uh, I mean, did you watch any of Melfest this year? Yeah, of course. I am like, I am a fan. That top three is absolutely insane. I don't know. So it was Bulletproof, um, The Mamas and Anna Bergendahl. I, like, yes. Any three of those would have been incredible, I reckon. Even some of the earlier ones, um, Take a Chance. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, they were so hooky and it was such a dramatic year from Elfest and then such a dramatic year for the Eurovision. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm more nervous about what Sweden's going to do next year than what right. I'm going to do 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so. I remember watching the first episode of Melfest in uh, the Swedish church in Marleybone, and um, I thought Robin Bengtsson was going to win it. Um, either yeah. Robin Bengtsson or the Mummers. I love both of those songs, but it's so hard to. Uh, the Swedes, they just know what they're doing. It's so incredible, and I, I wouldn't want to go up against any of them. You're, you're a brave woman. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have the winning formula here is that I'm going to just bring them into the song. Hey. Of- <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, they're fantastic. They've got the formula for sure. And what were your other favourite songs from this year? Who do you think would have been um, your biggest competitor? Um, well, again, I mean, competitor is a it's a heavy word. Mm-hmm. I was just hoping to get through into the final. But I think as far as songwriting goes, uh I think Lithuania and Iceland would have been definitely up there yeah. um, in, in the top few. Switzerland was fantastic as well. I think it was a very heavy male year as far as top songs go. Um, so those were in my top top few. Anyway, what about yourself? What did you love? Me, um, aside from your song, which I really loved, um, <laughs> I would say I've like you. I really loved Iceland. I thought yeah. um, I thought that was probably the one to be. Yeah. And I think it's very, it's very showing that um, I've never known a Eurovision song to have that much publicity in February. It was yeah. crazy, you know. And maybe yeah. that would have hindered it come May. Um, I really liked uh, Bulgaria's one, Victoria yeah. doing Tears Getting Sober. I thought that was a really beautiful song. Um, I liked the Swiss song too. Um, yeah. The Swiss song and the Netherlands song, the Dutch song. I yeah. don't know where they came from, but like I, I used the... Um, the sort of uh, analogy of a reheated pizza in that I'm at that stage now where songs are coming back, like um, after putting the pizza in the fridge, reheating it the next day and it just tastes better. And those songs are now starting to come through and I'm like, Oh, how did I, you know, maybe I'm just uh, predisposed to picking up on bangers straight away, but the the sort of more subtle, beautiful songs I'm really, really enjoying um, now. And it's a shame that, you know, we're not going to hear those. I also loved Azerbaijan, uh, the Cleopatra yeah. song. And you just know that that would have been a serve. What, like, however, you know, that would have come across vocally, I'm not sure. But like, they would yeah. have thrown everything at it. <laughs> yeah, completely. And again, to what we were talking about earlier, the couple of different formulas that work for the Eurovision and then songs that just transcend into top 40 is completely, you know, it's very, very different. I think I just kept checking on on the daily. You know, once we knew that we were doing Ireland and everything was rolling ahead and everything was still secret, we would just kind of message each night and talk about what new ones had been coming in and where they were falling. And like you said, um, Iceland had come so early and the Netflix drama around that. So I think I I was just... I was involved in that Netflix drama and I can say it's like, it's absolutely bollocks. I don't know where it came from. Really? Yeah. So it was, it came from, I think I, I was watching Song for Kepnan and I really liked the song. I remember Daffy Freer when he did it a few years prior to, um, to this year with this song called This Is Love. If you've not heard it, go listen to it. It's just, it's so, so good. A really nice sort of um, calm, electro-y, lovely track and um so afterwards i posted the video of um the official video of um think about things and it went viral from my account and you know obviously i have people who follow eurovision and some pop journalists and stuff and it just went nuts and then that's when people like um 
oh, uh, what's his name? Russell Crowe and Rylan. And they all started seeing it. And then it, th- there was some idea that it was me and Daffy working with Netflix to <laughs> somehow like, I, I t- it was crazy, crazy. Anyway, okay. this podcast well, is not about me, but like. <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, you're, you're uh, dispelling all the myths that, Netflix didn't pay a lot of money to promote that song. Well, you know what, though? I would approach them and see if they have got any money for promoting songs because... (laughs) True. Well, I think, you know, a lot of it was tied into the movie and how it would have been perfect timing. So there was was an easy way of putting together a conspiracy, but... Either way, the song and the video uh, was was fantastic. So yeah, and man, I live for those conspiracies. I love them. But <laughs> um, yeah, so you've you've watched some of the national finals. You followed it. I think as well, it's fair to say that Ireland had quite a lot of hype uh, yeah. in the build up. Were yeah. in a similar way talking about the Netflix conspiracy. Were you stoking that behind the scenes, or how did that come about? That was all through through the guys. It wasn't pushed or forced. I think it was just from their their own pure excitement that we had this up tempo pop song. Um, and then when they were asked about it in the press, they gave their opinion. There was no sit down meeting of oh, how do we get all the press really excited? Um, I think like unfortunately there's there were some like misquotes of what was said. It was compared to Euphoria, and nobody ever said that. Um, so. Yeah, no one was really pushing it to, for for that to happen. It just kind of happened naturally. And did you take note of any of the comments, uh, either positive or negative, as they were made on social media? How do you handle uh, dealing with the fans? Yeah, I mean, I think like early on, it was kind of, um, again, the first few days, it had such good reception, um, aside from the, the few negative uh, you know, comments about it being too poppy or um, too dated or too throwbacky. So again, yeah, I took all of the notes about it being too throwbacky, um, too many hooks, which kind of is ridiculous. You can't have too many hooks. Who said that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, yeah, I just, I, I think there was one day um, it got into my head a little bit because I completely messed up on the Late Late Show and I completely fucked the vocals, excuse my language. Um, and it was a disaster. So you can beat that. Um, so there was a lot of there was a lot of backlash having there been such good promotion and such hype and everyone loving the song and it being blasted on radio to going to the the live show that night and having the in ear problem. There was such a contrast from comments through that that the next day after that was very upsetting. And I was just kind of trying to figure out how to go into damage control for the next show that then was that saturday night in dublin um so those were really the worst comments the backlash from from that show um but we were all just so aware that we were going to have so many of the pre-parties to show that there was no problem with the vocals um until everything got cancelled but yeah the worst case was um after the late late show and those comments which i completely own up to no there's nothing worse than an artist uh, being delusional about uh, a performance or and everyone keeping it quiet so I'm, I've been very vocal about um, us all knowing that that didn't go down well because of the in-ears so I think you just have to bulldoze through it though and I think yeah. as well having seen oh god so many performances now over so many different national finals nobody has a perfect road to Eurovision everybody um, messes up or things go wrong that they can't help 
Um, I mean, Song for Captain this year for Iceland was an absolute car crash. And <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even recommend going watching the show. The, the, um, the, the playback and the, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And yet you yeah. still had, um, you know, one of the, the, the favourites going forward. And it, it means nothing if you have one bad performance. Yeah. It just matters what you do in that Eurovision week and how you put yourself yeah. forward there. So don't, yeah, try not to get hung up on... Oh, no, definitely not hung up. I, I tried to, um, you know, socially explain as much as I possibly could of that for people that don't understand, you know, live performances at all. So um, that was really, that was the worst backlash to answer your question. Other than that, it went down very well. If you can maybe think about what I'm going to make for dinner tonight, that would be fantastic, <laughs> Rob. Oh, don't. I've been, we've got this thing over here called HelloFresh. I don't know if you've okay. got it in America. And yeah. uh, they just send you a box of ingredients and you then make these really delicious meals. But I just can't be fucked. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so uh, tiring and stressful at the moment being stuck indoors. I've just had like uh, oven chips. <laughs> I know, I, I'm with you. I, I go from swings. I like one week think I'm Jamie Oliver yeah. and then the next week I'm just having cornflakes. So I don't know. Cornflakes anyway. sounds good. Ice cold yeah. milk on your cornflakes, yeah. bit of sugar. That's what I'd have for your tea tonight. If, if you've not right. it yet well then you've helped me a lot hey thank you very much um it's been great chatting to you leslie thank you so much if people want to find you um not like in real life they're not going to stalk you in new york <laughs> or whatever if people want to find you online where should they look yeah um on instagram it's lesroy l-e-s-r-o-y uh, twitter leslie roy real and you can pick up everything from there Since that interview, Leslie's gone on to cover Dotter's Bulletproof, so go check it out on her social channels. I'll include a link in this podcast description. It's so great to hear from someone so passionate about the contest and someone who's got a bit of a master plan for 2021. I can't wait to find out what next year has in store for Leslie and also what Leslie's got in store for us next year. Thank you for listening. Please do rate this podcast and like and subscribe. It really does help. Even though there's no song contest this year, fans have so much to do. There's so much content being put out there via official channels and also loads of content provided by uh, by the fan community. If you want to join us for Eurovision again, this week it's going to be on Sunday after all of the stuff that goes on on Saturday. So join us on Sunday at 8pm uh, UK time where we'll be doing Eurovision again on the Twitter channel at Eurovision again under the hashtag Eurovision again. There's a website that explains everything. It's again.vision. That's again.vision. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Rob Holly on Twitter. I'll be back soon with more Vision again.